So we're in a series of messages based on the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. That's in modern-day Turkey, just so you know. It would, we titled the series, Jesus is Enough, because that's the basic message of the letter, is Jesus is Enough. Paul's writing to the church there to tell them that, that, that tell them this, because there are some in town who are telling the people, telling the churches, that in order to be a real Christian, they need to believe in Jesus and these other do these other things as well. Apparently Jesus wasn't enough for them. But Paul says, don't believe those folks, because they don't even know him to begin with. So that's where we are. I invite you, if you would, to, to grab your Bible and, and pray with me as we get ready to start. All right, Lord, I ask you to, to come right now and, and teach us. Teach me. Speak through me or in spite of me that your people could hear and be encouraged, Lord. Teach us that we could understand what happened back then so we could apply it to our lives today. We thank you. Amen. Amen. So happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I hope you have some, some great meat on the grill and some, some fresh vegetables ready for a fantastic dinner. I pray that, that you get to enjoy that. I love this time of year. And with all the, the fresh fruit and the vegetables and grills, um, we have these big old bowls of, of berries in our refrigerator all the time. And, and every night we have fresh vegetables, whether it's squash, squash or beans or Whatever. Michelle tells me that it's all good for me, the green stuff. I'll admit I prefer the ice cream, but uh, I, try to, I try to add blueberries to my ice cream, thinking that, that, that it'll help. I don't know that it does. The other night, I, I thought I should probably just eat the blueberries. I, I tried it, but it wasn't the same. I have a friend who was in my youth group years ago. She's been posting online about some sort of cleanse that she's doing. She gave up all sorts of great tasting food because it was having a bad effect on her body. So I invited Jules if she would share uh, what this has been like. So Jules, please. Hi, brothers and sisters at Rock Hall United Methodist. My name is Julia, and today I'm going to share a little bit about with you about a 30-day health cleanse that I just completed. Um, over the past year, I noticed that I was having a lot of health issues and strong reactions to food and exercise. I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. Um, I had a lot of blood tests that showed that I was perfectly fine. And I didn't quite believe that changing my diet um, could affect me so much mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, but after getting all those blood tests back and realizing I was okay, my doctor recommended I do an elimination diet. Um, now, if any of you have ever been on an elimination diet, you know that it's not the most fun thing in the world. Um, but basically, you eliminate the most um, triggering foods, including gluten, dairy, refined sugar, and alcohol. The beginning was really rough. Um, I did not realize that everything has one of these ingredients in it. So I was hungry all the time. I was grumpy all the time. I had headache all the time and my family did not really enjoy being around me nor did I really enjoy being around myself. Um, I wasn't sure the clean eating was for me. I wasn't sure I could do it. But around day five uh, my headache stopped and I think I started to turn a corner. Um, I started feeling more mentally clear. I started recognizing the times during the day when I was hungriest and craving unhealthy food and I had more stamina during exercise. Um, I learned that my hardest part of the day was after my kids went to bed when either stress 
or exhaustion or boredom would drive me to my cabinet looking for a snack fix. Um, and when my cabinet wasn't full of snacks anymore, I had to reach for something else. I learned how to make healthier snacks before they went to bed or, or after they went to bed. Um, over time, it got easier to reach for healthy food and say no to those really unhealthy things. Um, I'm now about three and a half weeks in and um, I am in the reintroduction phase, which means that I'm bringing one new thing into my diet like once a week. Um, and I'm learning a couple of things. The first is that I don't miss things as much as I thought I would. Um, I went to a church picnic last week and got two pieces of chocolate mousse cake, my favorite. I got one for my husband and one for myself. And when I got home, I decided I didn't want it anymore and I gave it to my neighbor. And it wasn't even that hard. And if you know me at all, which most of you don't, you know that was really <laughs> a big deal for me. Um, not only did I know that, notice that I didn't miss these things as much anymore, but I noticed that some of the things that were a regular part of my life, my diet, were actually making me very sick. But I kept doing it, and I kept doing it, and I kept doing it. Um, it took a sustained period of having those things out of my life for me to realize that they weren't good for my body or my mind or my spirit. So that's a little bit about my journey um, through my elimination diet. I've learned a ton. It wasn't easy, but nothing valuable ever is. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Jules. Thank you. It's amazing how quickly our body will react to a cleanse like this. I mean, we remove impurities from our bodies by limiting the impurities we put into them. It works because our bodies are perfectly designed to do the work of detoxifying. I mean, that's the principle behind a detox. And I'd say also a, a spiritual detox. There's a, a great book by a pastor by the name Craig Rochelle, and it's titled Soul Detox. You might want to pick it up if, if today's message kind of speaks to you. Uh, in the sermon notes, I've also put a link to a reading plan that will take you through a process of a spiritual detox. So one of the points that he pulls out in the book, and, and one which we're all aware, but we, we tend to not think about often enough, is the fact that that we aren't just a body with a soul. No. We aren't just a body with a soul, but we are a soul with a body. We're a soul with a body. That, that's, how we, that's how we were created by God. They're inseparable. We were created as a, a body and soul. So, I mean, think about Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Where God began it all, he said, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He breathed into the breath of life. And then the man became a living being, the soul and the body together. Part of God's design is that we are perfectly shaped to, be, to spiritually detoxify as well. That's what Paul gets to in, the, in Colossians. And, and we're studying this week in our series, Jesus is Enough. Up to this point, Paul has explained to us the, the gospel and, and what Jesus accomplished on the cross and how it transforms our souls. But now he goes on to tell how the gospel spiritually detoxifies our, our lives. The first principle in this, in this detox, Paul points out, in, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, Since then... You have, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on the earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Our first principle here in this is to understand our new position. To understand who we are in this detox. We have to know we have to know what we are to, to know where we're going back to, right? Understanding who we are, who our life is connected to. Everything about the Christian life is, is based on, on the supremacy of Jesus and his work. Because Jesus was risen from the dead to a new life, the Christian life is essentially our being raised by Christ's Spirit to a new life. Because he lives a real life, we can live a real life too. He makes that possible. So get, our, get, so get your mind off of things of this world, Paul says, because this isn't your home. This isn't what you were made for. No, he says, set your mind on things above. Your old way of living was focused on the things of this world because this world was all there was. But now you've been given, you've been put in a new position at God's right hand, hidden with Christ in God. At his right hand in Scripture, the, the right hand of God is, is a pretty important place. It's the place of strength, of power, of authority. It's the right hand that protects, that holds, that holds knowledge. That, that God's right hand is referred to as the instrument of his blessing and his glory. Being alive in Christ at God's right hand says a great deal about who you are. Because of our position, God imparts to us a new perspective, which Paul tells us to use to set our minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Without a new understanding of, of our identity, of your identity, it's impossible to set your mind and heart on anything else. I was talking to a friend recently the other day about why kids from, from poorer communities seldom strive for greater things. He told me that he thinks it's because they don't see anything else. They don't know what's opportunities are out there. He was telling me about a, a little girl who he had a conversation about with her, what, what she wanted to be when she grew up. And he told me that, that what she wanted to be more than anything else, just with a big old smile on her face, she wanted to be a secretary at the Wilson. But that was all she knew was someone who was successful, someone who dressed nice, someone who looked like they had it all going on. The most she could imagine was limited to what she had seen. As we realize our identity in Christ, then we're opened up to see ourselves and the world from God's perspective, bigger than we've ever imagined. Very different from anything we've ever seen before. And as we start to see from God's perspective, we, we begin to cut away things that are contrary to our, our new identity. This is the purge part of the detox. And that's what Paul describes next in today's text, where he begins at verse 5. He said, saying that you're alive. Why entertain yourself with the things that are dead, right? He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, whether it be sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. He says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. Paul is saying that this is, this is not what a life in Christ looks like. 
this. But I have good news for you. Jesus is enough to detoxify your life from these things. How do we do that? How do we do that detox? How do we put sin to death? How do we rid ourselves of all such things as Paul commanded us? To the problem isn't our body. The problem is our corrupted relationship with God. That, that, that we fail to use the gift of our bodies in concert with God's design. For example, sex and sexuality. It's a gift from God. It's, it's intended to be used in the context of marriage. And when it's practiced there, it's good. It's, it's real good. And it glorifies God. But when we use it in other places, it doesn't. It, it becomes an idol to us. So you see, it's not that sex or good food or nice cars or money or anything else is necessarily bad. The problem is that those things tend to become what we live for. We can't do without them. Paul is talking to Christians and he says, I know you all now live for God. So remember, you're in Christ. So that the ways of the old world are dead. The way of the living, the standards and values you used to have, they're dead. Now leave them alone. You're alive in Christ, he says. Leave the toys of dead men alone. He lists all sorts of sins in this passage. Lust, greed, impurity, sexual immorality, anger, rage, malice, slander, lies, filthy talk. And as I read that list, I've been guilty of every one of those. I thought about my attempts to detox my life from these. And I remember oftentimes, I didn't think of them so much as sins, but as problems that I just need to control. That's how we think of these oftentimes. If I were in control, they wouldn't be such an issue, right? Think of your own life. Whether it be greed, pride, gossip, sexual sin, gluttony, anger, crude language, lying, or porn, or alcohol, or other substances we, we abuse. Anything in your life that you know is something you shouldn't do, but you do it anyway. Think of that. I'm not talking about mistakes here. I'm speaking of things that you do that you know you shouldn't do, but you do them anyway. That's not a mistake. Those things we call sin. Some of us say we have a sin problem. But instead of solving the problem, we instead look for a way to control the problem. We don't, we don't want the problem to get too big, right? Paul says the problem is too big. You need to kill it, he says. Paul doesn't know me, though, we'd say. I, I know myself better than Paul possibly could. What I need to do is just keep it under control, right? And so I die. So I put filters on my computer. So I, I stop bringing the things that I drink too much home. I stop talking with that person at work. I hide the credit cards. And then, you know what happens? Well, at, at least in in my life, in my experience, once I get things under control, then I start to lie to myself. I say, you know, I haven't looked at that. I haven't eaten that. I haven't done that in like, what, nine, ten days, fifteen days? It's been six months since I splurged shopping. I deserve it. Besides, now I can control it. Think about it. I'm saying I deserve the thing that brought me death. Does that sound crazy to you? I mean, it does to me. And I, I go right back to the thing that I said I had under control, but I wasn't in control of anything. I never put it to death. It's right back in my life. 
Jesus said in, in Matthew 16, 24, I believe I am. He said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. In Paul's words, put it to death. Rid yourself of it. Kill it. Kill it. Because every time you leave your spiritual life and you re-enter the, to living by the world's standards and expectations, you actually stop growing. It's like my friend, Jules, earlier. She told me, she said one time that she cheated one day and got a milkshake. It felt good in the moment, but then actually she didn't even get to finish it. She couldn't enjoy it because she knew it was setting her back. And that's what sin does for in the life of a Christian. When you die to it, you can't do it. You don't enjoy it anymore. Conversion to the new life of Jesus brings us into a changed lifestyle that flows out of God's character at work in us. A life with, with values and standards that are beyond this world. It has everything to do with your new spiritual identity in Christ with God. Look at, look at Colossians verses 9 through 11. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self, he went on, with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So how do we do this detox? What does this detox process look like? Well, let me echo what Paul says here in this. And this is for everyone, he says. It doesn't matter who you are, what your past is. This applies to you because if Christ is in you, Christ's plan works in you as it works in everyone else. You don't need, to, you don't need anything more than for him to do his work in you. I know some of us are tempted to believe that that we're different, or our problems are unique, but, but sin is our problem. And he says it doesn't matter who you are. There's one problem, one solution. That solution has one prescription, Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. If you're dead in sin, then there's one solution for you to put on, life. And if we're alive, we don't live as dead people. We used to be dead, but now we're alive, he says. So remember, you know, when I, when I saw my friend talk about her diet the, the other day, the, the whole process, it didn't look like much fun at all. I mean, it might be healthy, but I think it would kill me. A detox is a process of change. Difficult change, she says. It, but it's, a spiritual detox is the same. It's not about controlling our sin. It's about getting rid of it. How do we do that? What does a spiritual detox look like? Two things. First, we confess to God for forgiveness of our sins. Paul says it began when we, we put on Christ. We became hidden, securely, and safely rooted in Jesus. When we responded to God's offer to love us by confessing that we were sinners, that we'd fallen short of his glory, that we accepted the forgiveness that he gives us when we surrendered our lives to Jesus. In that moment, Jesus became our Lord. As John wrote in 1 John, he said, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us purifies from all unrighteousness. It's a process, but it begins with our confession to God. We proclaimed him as the Lord of our life, and not no longer our way, but now the Lord's way. And since that moment, he is purifying us from all unrighteousness. 
Or as Paul said, we're being renewed in the knowledge and the character of our Creator. Maybe today you need to start a spiritual detox by surrendering your life to Jesus, by inviting Him in to begin the process of removing sin from your life. It's a process. And Jesus said it works this way. He said in John chapter 8 where He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light, darkness. He brings light into our lives. It illuminates us from the inside out. All of the dark areas of our lives are revealed so that we can deal with it. He can deal with it. We can allow him to deal with it for just what it is. Trash. Dead trash. So we get rid of it. We get rid of the old way that leads to death. We, we, can, we can treat it just like what it is. Not something that we're going to store away and keep for, for the future one day, right? No, it's, it's something that's worthless. What do you do with that? You throw it out. You don't play with it. You're not entertained by it. But you actually are repulsed by it. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, said. He said in, John, in James chapter 5, where he said, Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. He went on to say the prayer of a righteous man powerful and effective. So we confess our sin to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to to another person to be healed. To be healed. I know this sounds like a hard thing to do, and it is. But when we do it, when we tell others our sin, it takes the power out of the lies that your enemy Satan uses to war against your soul. Remember who you are and whose you are, right? Remember what God is doing in you. And tell someone you're struggling. When you mess up, own up. And then move on. I can't promise you that this will be smooth or easy. Everyone doesn't need to know everything that you've done, right? But for healing to take place, we do need to tell some people some things. Pick someone. Pick someone this week. Someone who loves Jesus who loves you, knows you, and you trust, and tell them your story. I can promise you this. They won't be scared away, right? Because Christ is alive in both of you. And and Christ is all that matters. So maybe this week, you could tell someone. Someone that God is trying to remove something from you, and you need their help. Praying for salvation is big. Praying for boldness and confidence is big as well. So join me as we pray together. Lord, I live to you. Those that are watching and worshiping with me today, God, I ask that you would work in their lives so that you would begin to reshape them, to reshape them into who you created them to be. Lord, as they surrender their life to you, as they, as they ask you to be the Lord of their life, that you begin to do that work of sanctifying them, of removing sin, revealing the darkness in our lives, the things that we need to detoxify our spirits from. I shine that light brightly. For those who are surrendering themselves to you for the first time today, Lord, I thank you. I praise you, God. I ask that that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, that as they work through this process of of spiritually detoxifying them, that you would encourage them, God, that you would just walk alongside them, that they would never feel alone or afraid. For the rest of us, Lord, those of us who continue to fight the battle, and we always will fight this battle with sin because that's our flesh. 
Lord, surround us with people we can trust, that we can talk to about our sin, that we don't have to hide it. Lord, I ask you that you would reveal that person to us today. Whether it's in our, as we scroll through social media later today, or maybe it's somebody we'll see in our, our community, God, reveal to us someone who we can walk through this life with, be transparent. And you can use that relationship to rid our bodies, rid our souls of these toxic things. Lord, I thank you. I praise you for what you're doing in us and through us today. We love you. So, thank you for joining us for worship. You join me in our benediction. Life is much more than an act. Wherever you go, believe God needs you. Wherever you are, trust that God has put you there, that he has a purpose for you being there, and that is Christ, alive in you, wants to do something through you no matter where you are. Believe it and go in his grace and his love and his God bless you. Have a fantastic week. And know I will be praying for you. And I invite you to pray for me. Love y'all. Bye-bye.